marking himself. What? Ancient warriors would mark themselves with the blood of their kill. It's a rite of passage. Welcome to the Three Men in a Retrospective podcast, Predator Mini Retrospective. I'm ready. In the lead-up to this year's Hulu release, Prey, arriving August 5th, Adam. I taught this little slut everything she knows. Matt. Turn back! It's a trap! And Garrett. Are you looking at me or the clock? We'll review both Alien vs. Predator films. Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't. Where did the AVP concept come from? Okay, now take your time. And can Prey finally be the Predator prequel fans of the franchise have been waiting for? What did you say this room was called? Sacrificial Chamber. All this coming up, courtesy of Percolated Media. It's time. From the writer of the Avatar sequels comes <laughs> Aliens vs. Predator Requiem, released December 25th, 2007, because this is a Christmas movie. Budget was $40 million, fucking cheap bastards. Box office was $130.2 million. And this is directed by the ever-present, the brother Strauss. We've come to this, boys. It is time to review Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. Now, this is a movie I did go opening day to. Believe it or not, this was a Christmas movie that I did go see on Christmas Day. Adam, me and Pete, remember Pete? Yep. Me and Pete went, not MC, but a Pete that me and, uh, me and Adam used to hang out with. We went opening night, and yeah. Adam, <laughs> when was the first time you watched this piece of entertainment? I know I saw it in theaters. Uh, highly doubt it would have been opening day, but definitely that first that first week I know I saw it there. And I think I've only tried to watch it one more time. Since then, now. So I blame everybody listening for the fact that I had to sit and quote unquote watch this again. If y'all would have handled this shit the first time, I would yeah. have to be doing this now. Mr. Goudreau, you made your thoughts on Alien vs. Predator very well known. You heard this was coming out. What were your thoughts going in? The Christmas release was the, the biggest peculiarity out of this whole piece of entertainment, as you so eloquently put it. Because it didn't seem like it was going to be, in the schlock way, really reveling in and being a Christmas release, like having some fun with that conceit. From the trailers, it looked like they were playing it deathly seriously. Much, much like first one did to an extent, but this one more so seemed to be doubling down on the, oh, this is this is the one that's made, quote-unquote, for the fans. And any time I hear that, I kind of, I clinch up, because that's the ultimate excuse for, in case the movie sucks, blame the fan base for their demands. It is the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card for writers and directors galore. As far as my particular experience, I did not go see this on Christmas because I value my time. I chose to go see this probably where this movie belonged, in the dead of January, the dumping ground of Hollywood. Hell, I think they found the camera for this particular production in the dumpster outside of 20th Century Fox, for all we know. And I, I like to think of the movie theater as a church that I go to to worship at, because, you know, us gays and Catholicism don't really go all that well together. <laughs> so I remember, I remember sitting there, and for the first five to ten minutes, because they, they play all 
even back then, you know, they play all the previews and coming attractions. I saw no issues. Everything looked good. The sound quality was fine. Then the movie started. I turned to my friend Eric, who I saw this with, and I still think he harbors some resentment for going to see this with me. And I said, hey, does the, the, does the quality of the bulb seem dim to you? He goes, yeah, a little bit, but who knows? Maybe it's just because this movie's opening in space. I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it some more time. Then they get to Earth, which is its own, be careful what you wish for in my case. I realized it was still very abject in quality, so I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go talk to somebody just to see if it's just me, because I can't be the only one who's bothered by this. And I have really good eye vision. I seldom complain about it. I go to the manager, and I said, hey, I, I think the, the bulb in Theater 7 is, is kind of dim. Like, I can't really see. And he goes, are you seeing that Alien vs. Predator movie? I go, yep. He goes, number one, my condolences. I'm sorry that you had to pay for that. Number two, that's just how the projection works. In normal circumstances, I would have gone into the projection room myself and verified that it wasn't the bulb, because I don't believe a word a theater manager says, typically. But I kind of sat defeated, and I'm like, okay, this is the movie I'm in for. Watching it at home on Blu-ray, even with the brightness all the way up on my TV, it is still not the easiest thing to look at. And I say that in multiple ways. We'll get to a lot about that whole aspect of this because when people mention this movie that's usually the first thing that they talk about is man it was so dark i couldn't see it definitely going to talk about that conceit as we get into the film i do want to ask though why is this called requiem there's nothing about this that says requiem to me well let's remember adam brought up a very interesting point on the conclusion of the last show that they wanted to incorporate the letter r in various ways, not just the ratings board and the MPAA, but also to, to double down by saying AVPR, as in this is an R-rated movie. It's kind of okay. like they just opened a dictionary, tried to find a word that would work. I mean, technically, mm-hmm. requiemine is a mass performed for the dead, so maybe by the end of this, we need a fucking requiem for sitting through this film. Sorry, not to, not to tip my uh, wow. low-lit hand there. <laughs> your male hat is way tipped at this point, sir. Brother Strauss... You know, these guys, they were special effects artists. They had a conceit for the first one. The first one they were turned down for in favor of Paul W.S. Anderson, which we reviewed last week. How much do you have to suck to be declined in favor of Paul W.S. They come in, they give their conceit for this one, and the executives were like, you know what? We've been reading those internet message boards. We like this conceit. Let's go with you guys. And the other thing you got to remember, too, and we'll see this throughout the course of this film, is these guys, while last week we had Paul W.S. Anderson, who was the big Alien fan, these two were the massive Predator fans. They like Predator more than Alien. So we're going to see a lot more of the positive Predator portrayal in this than we ever did in the last film. Is that um, why because the word requiem comes from that? That's a Catholic term, and, and predator protection and the Catholic Church go hand in hand. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, now that we're going to be taken off the fucking air, let's. Uh, <laughs> and I will be dead honest with everybody listening to this. This is perhaps the shortest plot summary I've ever put together. <laughs> because in all. This has the foundation of a house of cards that you put scissors through so the cards stick better together. And I'm convinced that the slightest blow of wind would knock this script into the atmosphere. Because we thought the first movie had a, had a loose plot, and, and, and loose is, I think, being kind. I don't even know the adjective to describe the basis that this movie is built upon. I mean, I, I can think of several that we'll get into, but let me ask about these, these Strauss brothers, because I have not seen 
the movie they did after this, I think it's called like Skyline or something. Yeah, yeah, it was that alien yeah. film. I never saw it either. I know their visual effects guys. Did they work on anything good? I've seen their music video. Day after tomorrow. Yeah, I know Jake's in that, but that, that's, that's so. <laughs> that's why I put it for you. You know, I'm sure they're they're nice guys. I've never listened to them speak or, or do the commentary tracks or anything because the the less time I have to spend with this movie, I think the better off will be. That was my favorite Christmas gift. Is that once I gave up my time, I never had to see these two guys again until lo and behold, Garrett said, "We have to watch this movie because I'm a completionist." <laughs> I wanted to take a fill a sock full of coal and do like a full metal jacket, just beat the shit out of you while you're sleeping. Again, wait till we get to Children of the Corn, boys. That's all I'm gonna say. You're gonna wish for this movie. When we get the children of the core. All right. You know, I, I sense a lot, of, a lot of negativity here, but let, let's get into the movie to see if we have that feeling throughout the entire film, shall we? Yeah, why not? Sure. So the 20th Century Fox logo appears, and then we get the title card, and we're seeing the Predator ship rotate around Earth and the hatching of the Predalien again. We got to see this scene again. Now, this Predator starts getting attacked on the ship as the ship crash lands, which gets the attention of a boy and his dad who are out hunting they go explore it and wouldn't you know it the dad gets his hand taken off and a face hugger to the face as does the kid this means that several face huggers and the predalian have escaped it also means that we are seeing the overreaction right away aren't we boys this is them saying you know what you guys wanted rated r violence we're going to kill a kid in the beginning stages of this because steven spielberg did it in jaws and it worked to perfection you know what? Right off the bat, the first little few minutes, I'm like, okay, that it's an immediate sequel, like two minutes after the first film. Okay, not bad. You got some potential there. Why are there face huggers on this alien ship or, or the predator ship? I mean, they have a queen in the pyramid. We saw that. It's under the ice. They hatch from eggs. For what reason are there all these canisters full of face huggers that are aggressive face huggers, like slamming the size of the mm-hmm. canisters and stuff? Just because we didn't see them in the first movie. We haven't seen them ever treat them like this before. Where are they bringing them to? We did see the facehuggers in the first movie. They they attacked. I mean, they could have taken them. And well, no, no. We, we saw facehuggers, but they were never on the ship. I mean, they. Oh, I gotcha. You know, the eggs were deposited from the queen that they had there. So what the fuck do these facehuggers like are suddenly being transported somewhere for no good reason? Is it? I mean, I guess it's just to study to your disbelief as a reason to get face huggers in here because we yep. got to find a reason to do it. Yep, that's the only reason I can think of. And they need to study them, don't you know that? Adam? All, yeah, All, you know they've created them and they've used them for centuries, but yeah, they need to study them. <laughs> the, the possibility of this movie taking place on the ship itself would have been pretty fucking cool. You yeah, know, I can if go with that. Yeah. If it's this predator versus the pred alien on the ship, of anything, you know what, make a video game out of it, I think that would work. Since some of the effects work look like PlayStation 3 alien video game anyway. Mm. Um, I like the look of the pred alien when we first get it on the ship. I don't know what exactly I'm looking at, but before dumbass blows a hole in his own fucking ship <laughs> <laughs> to send it crash landing, I... no eh, oh, Fuck. Yeah, we're already we're in the first five minutes. So I'm gonna actually, much like Christmas, I'm gonna I'm gonna sh- share the love and put the word love in very loosely. I said for years that I wanted after Aliens in Alien Three. I'm like, you know what? Set the next one on Earth. Put the Xenomorphs on Earth. Mm-hmm. I kind of got that, so I appreciate that the the setup for this movie. They're not wasting any time. They know what 
quote-unquote the fans are here for, crash land the ship immediately. But I like that, unlike the first one, where I had never felt like the aliens were much of a threat, this one, I like that they're treated, it's like a zombie virus that's infesting the town, and, you know, and the, the acceleration of multiplying, because we've never really seen... Mm-hmm. In any of the movies, the aliens really take over and colonize an entire area. It's always after the fact. You know, you, you see the damage or you see the xenomorphs already there. So I like that they're kind of treating this like a, a zombie movie. Although, speaking of which, they fucking steal the ending from Return of the Living Dead. Uh, yes. So it might as, well be, yeah. might as well be a zombie movie. I think this setup is perfectly acceptable. I wasn't expecting it to pick up directly after the first one. I thought this was going to be one of those connected but not entirely set in continuity. But I don't have much to complain about outside of just the difficulties of seeing what I'm looking at. I get the good close-up shots on the pretty alien face, but as far as the body goes, I can't tell where the hybrid connections are. You see it in the face with the mandibles and sort of the long xenomorph skull, but when you get the body shots, it's tough to tell what it is. It just looks like a black trash bag. Yeah, and like Matt, I agree. The premise... I don't have a problem with whatsoever. I think it's a pretty smart, pretty good idea. I really liked it when they did the exact same thing in Freddy vs. Jason, yeah. which is fi- find a reason to bring two people into the fucking woods, which is exactly what we do here. So, yeah, I mean, the, the potential's there. Once we crash land, it's kind of like, okay, sure, why not? And we've always wanted it just kind of in rural, you know. I mean, we got predators in a city in that one, and go back and watch it. I mean, it's, it's schlocky, but it, it's pretty bad schlock. So setting it up in this kind of middle Appalachian-type town should be working pretty well. So we cut to the inside of another ship as a Predator checks his email, apparently. and <laughs> we, we see the Predator homeworld for the very first time. For the very first time, absolutely. And by the way, if you're watching the unrated cut, what they do with this is he is seeing the inside of his friend's helmet. And he sees the exact recording of what happened to him, which I thought was actually kind of a cool concept. But again, they can't even get that right. Because one of them's in the unrated version, one of them's in the, the R-rated version. They can't decide on that. The idea of having them watch over this group of hunters that are supposed to go prove their mettle, not a bad idea. I agree with that. Yep. Yeah, they treat it like the, it's basically the Hunger Games, but they're, they're yeah. watching. They're, yeah. they're, the, they're the game makers, so to speak. True. He sees his friend in danger, so he starts preparations for battle. Meanwhile, we cut to Vancouver, Canada. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Gunnarsson, Colorado. <laughs> it's actually Vancouver, Canada, disguised as Colorado, which, oh, my God. Were they that fucking cheap that they had to go and pretend that Canada was Colorado? I mean, you figure every DC movie is done in Vancouver and every Marvel movie is done in Georgia. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the tax breaks have to be. Tax breaks are huge. Because, look, this movie was not made for blockbuster money. And if it was, they probably would have pumped more into it. Because, you know, the first one made money, but it was not this, did do gangbusters. So I could see why they were a little bit more reserved with this one. Especially because you look at 2007 and how many just giant movies came out. This was the, the t- not just the tail end of the year, but tail end of the budget line. But so Matt, I could see- but Matt don't, we, don't go. this is two-thirds of last week's movie. And last week's movie was fucking cheap. This, yeah, is, that, the, this, is, this is way cheap. Yeah, this might as well be a student film when you look at some of the... Dude, Hostess videos have bigger budgets than this. Yeah, and they also got... They were working on other movies during breaks. Yeah. On this. So I have to question, like, how, for guys who, who claim to be big fans, how much did they really care mm-hmm. uh, to make this of quality? Because I understand, look, everyone, you have to have favoritism to a certain extent. But you also got to please both fan bases. And I think... 
I can see if you're more of a Predator fan, this movie might do it for you. But the, the Xenomorphs have never had much in the way of personality. So I, I can't really see how, if you're an Alien fan, you, you would like this outside of just the sheer number of them and, and taking advantage of that conceit. The Aliens get fucked in this. And I say that as a huge Alien fan. You know, as I said last week, the alien in, the, in those movies had a real elegance to it, and they took that out in that movie. Here, they're nothing but fucking cockroaches. Which is what aliens are. Really, but they have like a, a, a like a, an almost like sexual perviness to them, which I always dug about them. You know, oh, there's something always... When it, ju- when it comes to... When it comes to the last third of this movie, we get a we get a fucking like porn scene that's kind of recreated for a minute. Mm-hmm. But the, the the aliens here are just completely fucked over. Before we get to them, we got to get some human drama in, don't we, folks? We have uh, Sheriff Eddie arriving to pick up convict Dallas. There's an alien reference, boy. Oh God, <laughs> this, this is um. If you thought the first movie had too many references, if this if this movie was if you were on life support watching this movie, you'd pull the plug and call it a mercy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, not only did yeah. they steal part and parcel from other horror movies, they liberally take character archetypes, names, relationships yeah. from part movies just to, I guess this was their way to try to appease the failing, that failing, failing. That's, that's a great, that's a great title for this movie, versus the Predators. Um, yeah, than Requiem. It, it was their way to crowbar this level of fan service and it's always something i rebel against not just that they must have been watching a lot of dawson's creek when oh yes they were making yep. the movie because half of the shit feels right out of the cw absolutely it does yep. yeah and you know to go back to who this was made for I, I i think about it this wasn't made for alien fans this wasn't made for predator fans this was made for fans of violence because yes last week i also rebelled against the fact that these people were hung fully clothed but I guess they went to appease people like me who were like, you know what? You're going to get someone fully skinned alive while being hung just like you wanted. But let's get to this drama here. So after the convicts picked up, we cut to the brother, the little brother, who's sent to deliver pizzas to somewhere he doesn't want to go. And he is being told by his boss to wear the hat. We cut to the insides of the sewers as a homeless guy finds a, what is this, an alien corpse? And this is where the, when you can't see, it's a real I problem. Because know. I had it on my TV, and I'm trying to enlarge it to look at it. I, can't, I couldn't fucking tell what it was. I cranked up my breath. I wasn't going to do this. I, when I started, I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it the way they filmed it. You know, to be damned, that's, I'm going to judge it based on that. Mm-hmm. After about 10 minutes in, I said, you know what? No, let me give it benefit that I can. You know, let me try to really see some things. Because I think some of the design work is pretty fucking cool. I do. Yeah, I'll, I agree. I'll, I'll give it that. So I took the brightness and I cranked it up to 98. And I watched the rest of this at a 98 brightness, which washes out, well, nothing. Because I learned partway through that they deliberately fucked with their own white levels. And I still can't make stuff out. And, the, and even jacked up as high as I can, adjusting the backlight on my TV. Yeah. I mean, they that they downed their white level to a different color fucks this movie on top of it. And their excuses that they want to make it as realistic as possible, fuck that bullshit. Well, again, I want to get to that soon. I'm going to really dive into why they made it as dark as they did. But to your, to your point, every time something like that is there, I'm trying to look yeah. and I really want to see what it is. Mm-hmm. And part of the biggest frustration is not knowing what I'm looking at. Meanwhile, the pizzas, they get delivered as the girl Jessie, who little Ricky likes, has friends who harass him. And as a retort to the way Ricky was talking to her, 
Her boyfriend, Dale, starts physically assaulting him and then throws his keys in the sewer. Matt, some of the bad Nightmare on Elm Street sequels we watched a few years ago had better teen drama than this. <laughs> this is terrible. I think, almost, I think almost all of them do. And this is the most archetypical thing they could have done. The, yeah. The, the girl he has a crush on is with the asshole boyfriend. And I'm pretty sure somebody gets their keys thrown into a gutter in at least four slasher movies I can think of just off the top of my head. This is as this is rudimentary of teen drama as you can get. And I also hate, this is one of my least favorite cliches, the, the drifter character oh, yeah. who comes to town, like this mm -hmm. the, the Dallas guy whose conduct, he's basically, uh, if you took Tom Atkins from the fog and removed all of his personality, <laughs> uh, you got the asshole sheriff who's like, you better watch yourself. When we saw this guy at Fast and Furious, he's only the only person of note in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie has another massive problem. As if it doesn't have enough. But in better service of the story, these people thought it would make for better drama and better fodder to have more characters to kill. Let's see. We have Sheriff Eddie. We have loose convict Dallas. We have Peach Boy Ricky. We're about to meet just served in the Army Kelly, her husband Tim, their daughter Molly, and several more that I'm leaving out. There is a bigger ratio of kills as a result of this. And again, this just feels like an overreaction to last week's film. Yeah, I agree. What they need is just one big-ass town hall meeting that could have been swarmed. There you go. Fucking, you know, kill like 50 yeah. people in a go would have been pretty awesome. That's why the Chucky show is so great. They they do it at like a school, uh, it's like a school assembly. Mm -hmm. Oh, kill. that's right. Yeah. yeah it's wow. you know, he, he kills a couple people. You know, mm -hmm. nothing really uh, audacious, but... It, it took a long time for people to really take advantage of that. I mean, you could have done the scene from Kingsman with at the church. Oh, yeah. Exactly uh, my thought. Yeah, yep. something like that. Where if you really want to revel in just the brutality and, the, and the, the viscera, that's the way to get around it. The dad and son, who we saw earlier, they wake up, and we are seeing chestbursters work their stuff as they hatch from both the father and the son. I can't believe they can't kill the kid. Like, to me, though, I'll give them props for going, we are going to kill, like, a 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid with a chestburster. They panned down from his face, but I still couldn't believe they did that. I have to give them points. At least they're going places that a lot of, not even just horror movies, a lot of movies in general just really dance around the idea of killing kids. Like, we are we are very far removed from Assault on Precinct 13 where you can openly shoot a child on camera. I wish but, they would have made this decision in The Predator with that kid that they freaking do. Wait till next year when we talk about Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> because I cause a lot of controversy with those thoughts, but we'll get to them. Meanwhile, here comes Kelly, who's played by a chick that the only thing I remember her from is 24. Yep. She shows up and gives her daughter some night vision goggles. Boy, I wonder if these are going to come in handy later, huh, boys? These freaking... They should have handed these out at the theater like three times. <laughs> I've never been so jealous of a character than this little girl having fucking some night vision goggles. Oh, if I would have had those as a kid? Oh, my God. If I could have had them when I watched this fucking movie. Just <laughs> but not to, they don't just establish these goggles here. They reestablish these goggles four times before yes. they actually matter. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Ricky and his brother Dallas, they have a fight about what happened to Ricky, as Dallas says he'll help him find his keys. And then we get Butch the dog, who's losing his shit as he's barking away from under the sewer as his owner is attacked. And here it is, guys, the beginnings of what I'm going to call the most underlit film we have ever covered. We've been dancing around it. Let's get to it. It would be easy to say that they did this to better hide the creatures, because this is an obvious cheap production, as Adam said earlier. But Matt, we have praised this DP in the past. This was shot by none other than Daniel Pearl, who did the first brilliantly shot Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. 
And I, I, I'm not sure if it, this was his decision or that of the Strauss brothers, or maybe it was a studio decision, but it was a very poorly, poorly done decision. And not that the film would have been better if we did see everything, but the movie's not scary, and this does absolutely nothing to hide the experience of watching it. No, it doesn't. And you could have movies that are shot predominantly in the dark, but still look really good. Like, I think the way that they, he, you know, Daniel Pearl, he did the cinematography for the Friday the 13th remake, and I think yeah. the way he uses campfire light uh-huh. in that thing sequence and, you know, light and shadow, I think it's very well done, and that movie wasn't made on a huge budget. Looking at it in comparison to this, everything just seems so amateurish as being kind, and I, and I don't I don't like to speak ill of directors, What this is the only movie of theirs that I've seen, but... I think there's a reason why they haven't worked as directors in a very long time. Yeah, everything that they've come up with, I think, is just an excuse. I know Pearl says that, hey, you know, the first one was criticized because of this and that, so that's my way to fix it. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, to Matt's point, if you could have campfire light reflecting off the xenomorph's giant black dick of a head... You could have some really cool effects there. Mm-hmm. Same thing on the Pred Alien. Open up the mandibles and have some flickering light. So there's a lot of good ways to do it. It's just, I know it didn't screen for critics. Did it not screen for anybody at fucking Fox either? Because yeah. they couldn't have watched this movie no matter how hard they tried. I mean, yeah. if you're going to make it look bad, if you're going to make it look schlocky, fucking revel in it. And I think they try to revel in some of those kills. But if you can't go on that journey and you have to guess what's going on, you've undercut yourself the entire time. Well, Fox around this time, not to get on a tangent, but it seemed like all of their production budgets went to the marketing because so many of their big movies looked cheap. I remember that summer, the second Fantastic Four movie came out. That was made for like probably a buck fifty, and it looked remarkably cheap. Like it looked almost no better than this. Like the only stuff that looked good was some of the Silver Surfer effects. But that felt also like Fox just... Then you got stuff like X-Men 3, where they just pumped that full of money, which went to actor salaries predominantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that also has some really bad continuity effects, which we've talked about in the past. I, I think this was, a, this was just a bad time for Fox making their big movies. Fox in general makes bad decisions when it comes to this. Let's look at Die Hard. <laughs> Same studio, different franchise. They have a real yep. hard time handling these franchises. Let's be honest, though. That both of these series really needed a direction. You know, what were they? I mean, Predators had gone off the rails after one movie, really, and Alien had gone off the rails after two. I enjoy three, I enjoy four, but they are much, much different. You kind of have to take them for what it spells out in itself. You can't look at those as, hey, this franchise is yeah. is a coherent piece. One is one type of movie, the sequel is a different type of movie, three is a different type of movie, four is a different type of movie. So I do think they wanted to have some type of sci-fi horror, you know, going on, and they just couldn't figure out how to do so. Not to review another franchise, but when you look at those Alien films, like you said, Adam, every single one of them is a different film, and all of them had different stories bubbling under the surface, which is why the mm-hmm. Alien, they call it the Aliens because it's the main antagonist of the piece, but really there's so much good human drama going on in those films, and there's a lot of stuff bubbling that make you really like those characters, and we're not seeing any of that here. You know, hell, oh, no. even even those uh, that, that first Predator film, I mean, say what you want about Arnold, and I know Matt would agree with this, he has charm to spare. You like that movie because of him. You know, mm-hmm. you like that movie because of Carl Weathers and Jesse Ventura and Shane Black and all those characters. They had some meaning behind them. Here, there's just nobody to like, and they're throwing so many characters at you. And I, I guess they're trying to make us like the Predator. 
Speaking of the Predator, the Predator ship, meanwhile, disbands and lets off. I guess we're going to go to call him the hero of the piece as he comes up out of the water. And the interesting thing about how these two knuckleheads viewed this guy, this Predator, was, and you listen to the commentary, this is exactly what they say. <laughs> he is the wolf yep. cleaner from Pulp Fiction, is what they called him, <laughs> the, the Kyrie Keitel character. He's here to wipe out evidence so, what, their actions don't get out on the Internet? What's the point of this guy? <laughs> What's there to cover up? Not like they would trace the aliens back to the predator ship exactly oh my goodness i wish this guy showed up in the production room just to pour that <laughs> pour that blue liquid into the camera yeah i mean again this was what this was this was early aughts fox when they started so yeah this is the uh harvey weinstein's little fucking fixer i guess is what this guy's supposed to be <laughs> the predator finds his buddy and we get a predator suit up scene as he blows everything up we're then seeing night vision as Molly tells her mom that she isn't sleepy, but she is more responsive to her dad. And then we cut right back to Ricky and Dallas as they are in the quest to find the keys. Mice are roaming around and they go in the sewer water and there's some suspense as they reach into the water and retrieve the keys. And Ricky sees an alien in the distance as well as the shedded skin of another one. Which we've never seen. We haven't seen the molt other than from one form to another. We've seen skin though. We have seen skin in the past. We'll have to do that series. Maybe when they make a sequel to Covenant, we'll do that trilogy. Your favorite movie of all time. Oh, fuck. <laughs> we, we, then, we then cut to a search party on their way to look for the dad and son who disappeared earlier as the Predator starts destroying more evidence. <laughs> I like the idea that he's got this stuff that's going to dissolve whatever it is. You know what? I you like know? that, too. I'll go to bat for that. I got a feeling it's going to be used later, and it's almost like I can feel like it was reverse engineered from the Xenomorph's blood. Because instead of green, it's blue. You pour it on, it's dissolving something. So I feel like they tried to, <laughs> like a lot of things, they tried to do something with it here. So, And not to mention, that's about the only colorful thing you can see in this entire movie. Yeah, and let's, not, and let's not forget, again, who the two guys who made this movie, where their allegiances lie. Yeah. I think this is a crossover, because I have a theory. This is the stuff they use to cure McGregor syndrome in Batman and Robin. jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we then see some poor sh nameless schmo get taken out by the Predator. We cut to missing posters being put up by the wife, and Dallas is pouting about his lack of jobs in the current job hunt. They find Ray, and he doesn't look good as he's skinned alive in a tree, exactly how, I, how we remember them doing it in the first two Predator films. Now, Garrett, you watched the unrated, correct? Yes, I watched both for this. Yes, sir. Okay. Is there a huge difference? I only saw the theatrical. Was there a huge difference between the two when it came to some of these kind of scenes? Like, I heard that there was supposed, you know, they had planned a scene where the Predators themselves were going to be skinned and hung up on the ship. And I think that would have been pretty awesome to see. But is there anything dramatically different as you're watching going through it? The things that are dramatically different, I've already told you. Right. That's it. I mean, that's literally only the only stuff you get. We hear that Jesse's boyfriend has been fired as her boyfriend. Yep, this happened. Let's talk about the writer of this, because we have gone through this story, and we've gone through these tropes. You guys know Shane Shalano? Do you know that name? Uh, I just know some of the stuff that he's worked on. Armageddon, which, sorry, I, I'm an apologist for Armageddon, so i got no problem with that movie. I mean, it's like he just comes in when they have an idea and a date, and they got to get it done really fucking quick, with the exception of Avatar that they take 20 years with. Yep, and James Cameron did hire him to help write those. He is one of the writers on there. 
as well as Matt, a girl that we're going to be talking about when we get to Shutter Island, the screenwriter of that. She's on that those two movies as well, or those three movies, I should say. This guy's Shane Salerno. He did a Salinger biography a few years ago that I did see, and it's actually not bad. But he is a guy who has worked with Oliver Stone. He wrote Savages. He helped uh, Oliver Stone with that. He's written a bunch of stuff that are very good spec scripts, apparently, that never got picked up. He's worked with a lot of directors. He was on the Forbes list of top 20 people in Hollywood to watch back in the mid-2000s. He was a guy who also worked on the first Alien vs. Predator film. He did some some touch-up work on that as well. He's a guy who is really sought after. You think you get a guy like that to write this, and you think there would be some kind of depth here. And again, we're getting zero depth. It's crazy to me that this guy has his name attached to this. None of those movies you described are of quality, so I don't understand how this guy was so coveted. I don't know. Again, uh, Cameron picked him up. Cameron was like, you know what? You write good stuff. You're, you're on my project. But we've all, we all know how, what drugs Cameron was on at one point. I think Michael Bay said that he's a brilliant script writer. So yeah. Yeah, there you go. There's your there's your main endorsement. The Predator, he's still down in the sewers as he's hearing the aliens rolling around him. And I also like how these lasers, they form a wall. I thought that was kind of a cool concept that we see. We, yeah, I don't like think we've ever grid. seen that in the other ones. I like that grid. I think it's important that, you know, as we get different Predators, we see different tools, different weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, just because that's, I mean, let's be honest, that's what we're here to see. And, yeah, I like it, that, that he's got almost like a concussion blast on his shoulder to push that into the grid and slice it up. Kind of an update from the netting we saw in the last movie. So you could tell these guys, the directors, just enjoy doing some of this effects work on the computer and coming up with cool shit. I think it would work better in a video game, but you could tell that that's at least where their their talents really lie. Yeah, a lot of the the only things I can really praise outside of just the the original conceit is some of the conceptual stuff and the and the design work. What the, the stuff you can actually see, but I, this is one of those consummate cases of why just because you're a great that's why great technicians or great makeup artists or production designers not everyone's meant to be a director. Sometimes you're just really good at that one thing and you gotta stick with that. Stick to what you know. A mini fight happens as a Predalien appears and is then subsequently blown into the sewer wall. Meanwhile, this nameless female cook, she starts leaving her job and finds the Predalien feeding. She backs up, and then we get a direct knock on the shot from Alien 3 of the Predator appearing by Sigourney Weaver for the first time before we see, we think she's taken out. We'll see later that she's not. No, oh my but they, took the, they took the only good scene from Alien 3. Oh, I love <laughs> Alien 3. I shouldn't say love. I do. A, I like its ambition. But yeah, they took this directly from that film. And oof. I mean, everything in this is like, it's like these directors sat down, watched a bunch of movies and went, I'm going to take this scene. I'm going to take these two minutes. I'm going to take that shot. I'm going to take this idea and put it in a fucking blender. Like, I get not much original from them at all in this. We got the same thing from Paul W.S. Anderson last week. He took the damn poster and put it on the floor of that pyramid. Like, (laughs) these guys, they think just because they've seen these movies and everybody else has seen them, they're going to be looked at as cool before doing it. And the thing is, it just shows laziness because we've all seen those movies. We love those movies. We don't need callbacks to them. Like, next year, we're going to be getting a new Indiana Jones film, which, yes, we are covering. If all we see in the in that movie is just references to the previous films, I'm fucking out. I can take a that's few, fun. but I can't glad take we, a ton. Glad we finally got a new director. Like I, that's what's got me excited. Not to knock Spielberg, but that's what has me excited for that one. That, well, basically, your your thing about them st- taking stuff from other movies and putting it in a blender. We should have called these guys Quen Shit Tarantinos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Brothers Abrams. <laughs> no, that's oh. it. 
<laughs> each one, each one is they they put the JJs together. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to a power plant where some poor worker is taken out by an alien. We then cut to Ricky and Jesse in the school pool as she says, "Are you looking at me or the clock?" This again is just pure slasher fare. Every time I see her, I feel like I'm watching, what is it, the porn star next door? <laughs> or oh, the girl, girl next, next door. door. Yeah. yeah. Like, every time I see her, her oh. outfit, her look, though she has less fucking personality than that, who was it, the daughter on 24? Yes, but go back to 24. Every single yeah. time, that's exactly what I'm getting from her. Oh, good call. I've seen traffic cones with more personality than this. <laughs> She's, she's there for abs and a face. That's it. That's really like, and a good amount of both. Yep. R-rated, but no nudity. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn it. No kidding. Yeah, that's the thing. We could show all this obscene levels of violence, but uh, uh, yeah. side boob, no, no, no tit no, shots. No, no, and you're at a pool. Yeah. Like, this, is the, <laughs> this is where you you deliver on that. But instead, like it's fucking New Mutants, where you see nothing. Oh, you had to bring that up again. The ex-boyfriend shows up though as a fight breaks out and the predator starts taking out aliens at the power plant. The swimming pool, though, is now rampant with aliens, and the kids are being chased around school, and one by one, they're taken out as well. Again, just pure slasher fare. And we we get at least an underwater uh, alien yep. shot again. Yep. Taken from Resurrection. I was thinking aliens when the xenomorph comes up behind Oh, Newt. God, that was way more effective than what we get here. I yeah. mean, that that's out of the water, not under. Okay, never mind. Meanwhile, Molly finds some aliens in her night vision goggles. And her mom, Kelly, starts saying that she had nightmares, too, as a kid. This is no nightmare as the alien takes out the dad. Here's the funny thing about this mom-daughter relationship that they're trying to establish here and that they are just they so strike out with. They thought that they were going for a Newt Ripley-type dynamic with this relationship. It's fairly obvious. But that relationship was so well-established because they were not actually mother-daughter. And if you watch the director's cut of Aliens, you know that Ripley actually had a daughter who died, and she looked at Newt as the second coming of her. These two are actually mother-daughter, and the whole idea of her being in the army and coming back to an alienated daughter has about as much weight to it as a pool flotation device. This is so fucking poorly, poorly done. Oh, as the alien fan, I just want to whack these guys across the fucking skull. Nothing to add to that, boys? No, I'm just tired of just because you put a tank top on a female woman in an alien movie doesn't make yeah. her Ripley. Good call. I- I'm so tired mm-hmm. of that. I'll say, though, watching this dad try to act like Brad Pitt in True Romance for the last 30 minutes, I was ready for his ass to go. <laughs> That's true, he did, didn't he? Mm-hmm. The shit has really started hitting the fan as the humans are discovering what is going on and that their little town is being flanked by outer space beings. Evidence is being discovered, so this cleaner isn't doing that good of a job, is he, boys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the amount of conspiratorial elements, I have expected him to try to melt steel beams with yeah. this, uh, with this <laughs> Oh, God. The sheriff gets Ricky to help him get help as he discovers the aftermath and as the National Guard is being called. The girl takes them to where the guns are and they start loading up on some weapons and more chaos ensues as the National Guard shows up and starts getting attacked by the aliens. They're trying to call back to aliens here? To me, that's exactly what this was, is trying to get the military Mm -hmm. in. But a town, this little town sheriff calling National Guard and just being like, hey, roll out the National Guard to our city because we need help. That's not how that fucking works. Now, if they would have tracked it, noticed it, and it's almost like you could have had that based on what we get from Homeboy General sitting there fucking watching Mm -hmm. this thing progress. You could have had that where they were armed up ready and sent them in to kind of box in the people who were already in that Mm -hmm. town. You could have had the military do differently, but this is just 
fucking stupid, you know, you don't pick up a fucking landline and National Guard shows up in the middle of bumfuck Egypt in like 90 minutes. <laughs> we then find some stoners who show up to the store out of nowhere. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what's going to happen to these guys. <laughs> James and Silent Bob show up. Yeah. We then cut to a very underlit hospital. <laughs> you know what? At least they took the power out. They created a reason for this movie to look That's like true. Shit. Where babies are crying. Yeah, and it's also a double meaning because the power means they also took they removed all the brains out of his operation. <laughs> <laughs> babies are crying, and guess who shows up but the Perdalian who, get this, starts unloading eggs down the throats of pregnant women. Two things. First... Be very careful Googling egg depositor because you go through some really weird Pornhub searches. Just trust me on it, people. Safe search. But two, like the kid earlier, I can't believe they had the balls to go with this. I really can't. And You're not praising wow, it for that, are I you? Forgot, I don't know. From a horror movie standpoint, I can't believe that they – I can't believe they got permission to, to pull this off. When they hatch, for lack of a better term, later, wow. But it also makes no sense later because it doesn't have that second mouth because mm. it's basically got that ovipositor, but it's got a second mouth later on. It creates its own continuity issues with this. So I'll say this. I can argue with was this too extreme, but I do have to say that this is the only scene I found that made me uncomfortable and squirmish in a in a way that an effective horror movie does. I can argue against what they chose to simulate that feeling with, but this is probably the only scene I mm -hmm. thought actually like woke me out of my slumber, and I'm like, okay, this is actually, you know, it's, it's working on that horror, body horror level conceit. Oh, boy. I can't go with you guys at all on this. This is when I looked at this movie as a complete misguided piece of shit, honestly. Because you have taken the elegance out of the Alien franchise and exchanged it for a plot point that in the grand scheme of things makes zero sense. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't liking this movie, but I was accepting it for what it was, which was an overreaction to a previous misguided film. Now you have turned into something that is just awful in the worst sense. Not to mention this underlit hospital Again, it just, I hate looking at this movie. Oh, I it, hate it, looking at what they're doing here. I hate that they're fucking shitting on the franchise I love so much. David Cronenberg well, watches this scene and says, You went too far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the argument is that this franchise was already in the shitter. So yeah. I don't think this is that far of a degradation. Alien? Alien you think was in the shitter? I think it was. Yeah. After, Alien, after Aliens, you know, I like Alien 4, but I, I don't think it's a good movie, objectively. And Predator, there has not been a good movie since the first one. So to me, this, especially after that first AVP movie, they were already clearing the bottom of the bar at the proverbial limbo and smacking their back, Bane style. Boy, I just can't go with you on that. I don't think that Alien franchise was in the shitter. I think it was it was something that you could look at those movies and see a character, a creature that that had more to it than just being a horror creature. Here you have made them into just horror creatures, and that's what I hate about it. Molly and Kelly, they're now in trouble as the aliens and predators start attacking, leaving acid-faced disasters as they do so. That was a scene right out of the trailer, and we didn't really talk about that Red Band trailer. I remember that Red Band trailer coming out and people just losing their shit going, oh, wow, this is going to be cool, and I'll... I'll admit, I kind of thought it looked pretty cool, too. And this was a scene that was prominent yeah. in that trailer. Yep, I mean, got me yeah. in to watch it. <laughs> Same here. We see a chestburster emerge from the woman from earlier. While Eddie and the rest of the gang, they find the National Guard taken out. We hear there is an airlift at Gilliam Circle. So they start heading there in the striker tank. Kelly stops the striker and says they are headed right in the middle of the war zone, and she doesn't trust what they are being told. And the response from Jesse is, That's impossible. The government doesn't lie. 
<laughs> Get it? Oh my god, some of these lines, almost all of these lines are like, really? Somebody wrote these lines and somebody said these lines and somebody edited these lines? <laughs> kind of like how you guys were taught we're treating Catwoman, that's how I'm treating this. Oh, I'd rather watch this over Catwoman. <laughs> please. Easily. Throw, throw that fucking Halle Berry in the cat suit on, on the TV, please. This is out of my life. They go to the hospital as they apparently need to protect Kelly because she can fly the helicopter. To which he gets the response, what is this, the Titanic? Screw this women and their children first bullshit. Another 20th Century Fox property. That's one of the only jokes that actually made me laugh. The Predator also heads into the hospital, and amongst so much darkness, we get chaos. And would you believe the directors that this is how clueless they were? They fought for a 3D release of this, boys. True story. Imagine darkening this piece of shit down. And the executives turned it down because it would cost too much. (laughs) $40 million. They wanted a 3D release. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what would have been around that time. Um, Nothing. This was my Bloody Valentine. My Bloody Valentine. That was two years later. Or that was the year after. Yeah. Oh, my God. A battle between the two wannabe titans ensues, and Jesse gets caught by a Predator disc, which I remember getting a huge reaction in the theaters, actually. <laughs> That's just cool, because you don't think one of them are going to get killed. Yeah. You know, I actually dug that. I kind of did, too, actually, because it's not like the Predator aimed for her. It was an accident. The dumb broad just walked right and ran right in the middle of it. (laughs) Garrett Garrett woman blaming. Here we go. (laughs) They emerge from the hospital to lots of aliens attacking. And as predicted, Colonel Stevens is unresponsive to questions about the status of the evacuation. And we hear, because it's imperative, get to the chopper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I cannot believe they pulled Get to the Chopper to this film. If they were going to do that, they might as well have had like a, uh, almost like a list of recordings that are saved on the Predator's home world. And Wolf somehow <laughs> finds go. a way to like, you know, <laughs> hits a file and just breaks it up. <laughs> this is so funny to me that we got Get to the Chopper in this movie. Uh, the Chopper does start up. And more aliens die, and finally the battle again between these two titans ensues. They shoot through the glass of the helicopter, and more fighting happens. And the funniest part of this whole movie to me is this last few minutes. Let's go over this, guys. One, this fight is pointless because everything is nuked. <laughs> so I guess we have a draw. There's no winner. You take off and nuke it from orbit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with, with a nuclear bomb, it's literally a dusty finish. <laughs> Nicely done, sir. Beautifully done. Two, let's go over this now. This whole Miss Utani thing. What? Oh my god! Fuck. (laughs) They are setting up a sequel by saying that the government knew of this weaponry years and years before the first Alien film. This supposedly takes place about thirty years before the first Alien film. Again, like the whole previous ninety minutes, (laughs) this is so fucking misguided that Miss Utani has this weapon. Does that mean that this is Lance Hendrickson's wife from the last one? I don't think it's his wife. I think it's his boss. Isn't he Waylon? This could also be like pre-Waylon-Yutani merger. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. I'm trying to provide real-world economics (laughs) for a movie that has the internal logic of sandpaper. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I get for watching three seasons of Better Call Saul in the last, like, month. I'm... Here, you know, worried about Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. Okay. (laughs) And then Kelly tells Molly in the closing minutes that the monsters are gone and credits mercifully roll 
um, aliens I mean, they, versus they, predator requiem. They were going to go with weren't, weren't they going to do almost like a uh, shot where it was flash to that gun, flash forward to seeing it somewhere in the future, and then panning back to now? Like they were going to do a uh, was it like the uh, civilization reveal from fucking two thousand one? Uh, I didn't hear anything about that, and I watched this along with the commentary, too, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, I want to say I read in trivia that's what was planned, that it was going to show it, but then show the gun in use, you know, like in the future, and then back to it being now, so it kind of closes that loop on what Utani becomes. Maybe they were saving that for the sequel, Adam, that we never got. Oh, yeah, well, they they had an idea for it. Yep. There we go, boys. <laughs> Again, the shortest plot summary I have ever seen. Put together, Matt. We had the some of those Friday Thirteen sequels had more depth than that plot summary. Yeah, I mean, look, I've stepped in puddles that have more depth. Than <laughs> All right, scale of one to ten. Let's just go over the formalities. What do we give Aliens versus Predator Requiem? Uh, Adam, you go ahead. Go All right, ahead. so I'm like I'm taking it. Like, All right. <laughs> uh, the potential for this movie was that when you have a movie that doesn't really sit well with fans, I think it should be easy to say, all right, not this, not this, let's do this, 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 and kind of make it work. Not a complete overreaction, but let's be honest, that's part of what Marvel did in phase, you know, two and three of their stuff going on. They, you know, cater to the fans. you got to at least do that to a point, especially when you have this kind of franchise or two franchises, you know, as Matt said it, that aren't on their best footing. You know, Alien, Aliens are fucking masterpieces of cinema. Both of those movies absolutely are. Alien 3 is its own thing, and I can watch that movie and enjoy it as part of that franchise. Alien Resurrection, same thing. I think I get a little more out of Resurrection just because it takes some chances and is enjoyable it that way. Predator, you have Predator, that first movie. Again, it's, it's fucking classic for all the reasons that it is. 2 has got some moments, but it's almost unwatchable, especially in today's day and age. And I don't think Predators was out. In fact, no, it wasn't. It's just the two at this point. So this is the third Predator movie, technically fourth. You have an opportunity to do something. And instead, every decision that you made is undercut by your decision to underlight, undershoot, underwrite, and everything else. And not just underwrite in the fucking script, but underwrite poorly the funding of this movie to give it what it's need, what it needs. It's amazing this movie made over $100 million. I can't fucking believe that. Because that means people went back and watched it again, you know? I mean, this actually made a profit for Fox. Not a huge one, but a profit. The designs of these creatures, pretty fucking cool. I like the design of the wolf. Though it looks like something that belongs in a video game. I see it in special features. I see it on a screen, and that's the only way that I know what it looks like. Same thing with the Pred Alien. Such fucking potential of having those back tubes and, you know, the mandibles, the, the pussy face, with the that you can't figure out how you're going to properly make the dick of the alien with the vagina of the Predator and make something really cool out of it that we could see. I mean... H.R. Giger would fucking resurrect himself to make that a thing. But every decision in this just undercuts the possibility of a fun fucking slasher movie. This takes everything that Freddy versus Jason did well and decides to pull the bulb out of the projector so you can't see any positivity in what they did. And that's the unfortunate part. I should not have to work this hard to see what you're fucking doing. It is unwatchable if it wasn't for this site 
there is no way in hell I would watch this again. And it's it's a fucking shame because I do think that the potential is there, but they did such a disservice to themselves that it's an insult to the fan of both of these franchises. I guess the only thing I could say is I finished this movie. I still haven't finished fucking The Predator or The Predators, whatever the most recent one was. So I'll give it one step up of that. And one is the only thing I'm going to give this movie. It's a middle finger one, but I'm going to give this a fucking one on ten. A one, basically, just on, based on potential. Yep. Uh, Matt, going higher than one, sir. Yes, I am. Not too much higher. So don't read my enthusiasm as an glowing endorsement of this movie. But here's my my rationale. This movie was done when I sat to do my rewatches. I had to ask myself the question when I was coming up with a score. Do I consider this a worse movie than the previous one? And I'm going to say no to be totally honest, but I'm going to give them the same score. Asking me to choose one of these over the other in a recommendation angle is a lose-lose situation, to steal the tagline of whoever wins, we lose. Because I I think both of these movies are objectively awful, and I don't like either one. But the reason why I, I would say I guess prefer this one is because they did what I asked for. Go to Earth, do it like an infestation movie, uh, and you fight, you fight the aliens there. What I did not ask for was the 90210ization of Alien and Predator with all this, this human drama. I have seen that slash most of the Friday 13th movies that we classify in that regard. Most of the Texas Chainsaw movies after the second one in the remake. This to me is a movie that is, it is awful, but I can't bring myself to aggressively hate it the way Adam does. Partially because the first movie exists. I think if this was the first one, I would have said, yeah, this is fucking irredeemable garbage. But as someone who thought the, the first movie was just a chore to get through, this was a chore to get through for technical reasons, above all else. But yeah, it, it's awful. So I, I also ha- I have to give this a three like I did the first one, but I sound like a broken record at this point, but the, the bar was so low with both of these series for me that this, to me, was just another another abject failure in two franchises that have lost their way, and I really hope that this new one brings it out of the fucking gutter. All right, so what was your final score again? Three on ten. Three on ten. You know, it's funny. Matt took my exact concept, and (laughs) he said the exact same thing I was going to say, where I'm not going to say that this is any worse than last week's film. I'm not. I think it is as bad for different reasons. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it is any worse than last week. If there's a few compliments I can give it, I enjoy the fact that they embrace the the B-movie feel of one of these franchises being a, a straight horror flick. I think that's a good concept. But when you take this concept and you turn it into standard slasher fare... That's when I'm like, look, like those franchises weren't based on just being a slasher film. Like it was just a complete overreaction. For that, I'm going to fault it. But I'm not going to fault it for being any worse than last week. So I'm also giving it the same exact score as last week. I'm giving it a four. It's bad, but anybody who likes slasher kills in your film and you watch those Friday 13 sequels and it's just one kill after another and then like a porn movie, you have another one and then you have another one just to bring up the bring up the heart rate before the other one. Yeah, it's probably will be right up your alley. But when you take a franchise I love so much and turn it into this, yeah, it's, it's not good, folks. And uh, every bit of hate that's laid upon it, I will back up. But 
not as bad as Adam. So, yeah, not any worse, not any better than last week's film. Just a standard four. And I'm also going to agree with Matt and say that if next week's film doesn't pick this up, I don't know where the hell we can take this franchise. Because I also was not a big fan of The Predator, which was released a few years ago. Go back to BingeMedia.net and listen to me and Matt and Alex, one of the runners of that site, go over that film. Um, we went over this a little bit when we were doing Catwoman, but Matt, give me your anticipation. I mean, what are you expecting when uh, next week's film is released and we're actually able to review it? I just hope they make something that's worth watching because <laughs> it's been a long time since <laughs> I said that. I, it's been a long time since I said that about a, a Predator movie. You know, I think that I gave the Predator a five and I think I was too generous, especially with one of my co-hosts, but the bar is just so low. Like, I, I'm just looking for quality. I want something of substance. I want them to make the Predator interesting again. And I do think taking it back to a setting it in the past, I think, was a good way to get around that. But I just, if you're asking me to be excited, I would have said that before re-watching these two movies. <laughs> That's partly why I wanted to bring these in. Is to, you know, you're like, well, it can't get any worse, can it? <laughs> Adam, how about you, sir, as the big fan of this character? Uh, what are you, what are you expecting next week? I hope we see Predator. You know, <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's, it's as silly as that sounds. It's I don't know really what this movie's going to be. I have a problem with them calling it an origin film because I think time frame only 280, 300 years before now. I don't think is old enough for the Predators to be visiting this Earth. You know, just from us. Sorry, that's a space time type of thing for me. You know, but. Director-wise, it you know the guy that's doing it, Dan Trachenberg. Trachenberg, I like what he's done with the boys. I like what he you know, Ten Cloverfield Lane. I'm gonna love his work on Black Mirror. So I think there's potential here for something. Well, using Native Americans first, Native people, and Fox in today's day and age. I also really, really have a concern that this is gonna be nothing but. Predator is trying to colonize, and that's the message of this movie. So I don't have faith with them dumping this on Hulu, but maybe the lack of faith means that I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and hopefully it justifies that Predator poster that you had as a uh, preteen. Yeah, yeah, I, re- I, mean, I remember, actually. I, should, I remember that now that you mentioned it, going into your house and seeing that in your place. I mean, both of these creatures, it's amazing that when Disney bought Fox and the potential and, you know, when Comcast got them to overbuy and pay an extra $20 billion for it, you know, these two franchises should have the potential for a consistent revenue stream, and they can't figure it out. And if Disney's going to be scared to use these two franchises, I don't know what they do with them. You know, this is a Fox movie. It's not a Disney Fox movie, but... I don't know. We'll see. This either starts a new new direction or this movie is going to cause a Disney reboot of Predator. And I think that's fucking frightening. Yeah, that is frightening to think about. Yeah, I'm the same exact place as you guys. I'm looking at this as a potential that we could launch something really cool. Or it could be yet another thing that crashes and burns like the ship in this movie. And, <laughs> um, and then we see this franchise just burning the rubble but matt how many times have we said that i mean we when we did that series years ago like we said that about the predator and that didn't really catch fire either now a lot of things have come out about that movie that there was a lot of studio interference and whatnot with it i'm not sure how much of that i buy but i haven't heard any of that with this film and you know the trailers don't look bad i don't want to say i'm excited but again (laughs) part of the reason why i wanted to do these two films was to kind of bring that excitement up and guess what I'm going to be kind of excited to watch a Predator movie again. Hopefully I get something. God, 
can it be at least as good as two, please? At least? <laughs> I kind of wish I could see it on a big screen, though, you know? Yeah, but hey, if you have one at your house, you can, you can watch it on a big screen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that does it for Aliens vs. Predator Rec Room. How about, boys, we never mention this movie again. <laughs> Do you have any of that blue shit we can pour over this recording? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> be sure to... Check out www.berkeleymedia.net. Go check out. We've already got quite a little bit of things going on there, boys. We got Fantastic Beasts on there, the latest Fantastic Beasts film. We have the Batman franchise, which we're taking a break from for this. And we have a lot of stuff coming up that I'm excited about and more surprise podcasts. We might have another black phone or something up our sleeves. We'll see. Also, like our Facebook page because kind of like when we did the day I'm recording this, we're recording this movie. I, I did put a little review up of a movie I saw this weekend called Where the Crawdads Sing. And I have my two co-hosts. I've encouraged them to start doing the same. And uh, you'll see that those pop up every once in a while. And feel free to interact and tell us what you think. And tell us what you think of our podcast and how we're doing. I was telling the boys yesterday, I think we've put a pretty darn good thing together. And I'm excited about the next year because guess what? We already have the next year and a half mapped out, boys. <laughs> So we have a lot going on here, and that's only the beginning. So thank you, guys. And until next week, when we talk pray, this podcast is stupid. Let's just leave town now. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Three Men in a Retrospective Podcast. You alright? If you want to talk. Join us next week for an entirely new review. I've never seen anything like it. For Matt and Garrett's thoughts on the rest of the Predator franchise, please head on over to Binge Media and go to the Binge Aftertaste tab. Better save some for me. The Three Men and a Retrospective podcast is produced by Garrett, Matt, Adam, and Nathan. Now we move as a team and we're done for the day. Edited by Garrett. When are the lights going back on? Voiceovers by Adam. So, uh, how do we get in? The Three Men and a Retrospective Podcast is for review and discussion, and all clips, music, and audio cues are used as such. You two look pretty shaken up. See you tomorrow. Who's gonna drink non-alcoholic? Well, I'm gonna make it alcoholic. Oh, you're gonna make it alcoholic. Okay. What's up, guys? That's the way to handle it. <laughs> make it alcoholic. Yeah, that's that's her way of doing it. Make it alcoholic. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Adam says hi. Hi. I hope Lauren's not 
Laura had a blast in Disneyland. Looks like she did. Yeah, they're having a great time. I'm so happy for the girls. Do you want to get on this call? <laughs> I don't. Can you watch the movie for me, too? Go <laughs> I know their visual effects guys. Did they work on anything good? I've seen their music video. Day after tomorrow. Yeah, I know Jake's in that, but that, that's... <laughs> I mean, so. <laughs> That's my favorite tip for you. <laughs> uh, let me see. San Andreas, which was a piece of trash and looks really bad. Um, oh, here we go. I, I pulled it up. So we got, oh, my God. Garrett, we got a movie you and I talked about, Terminator 3. We got uh, yeah. X-Men 3. Oh, wow. What a, what a great resume. Uh, Fantastic <laughs> Four 2005, which we'll talk about sometime down the line. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. They worked on the Avengers. Yeah, these, you know, I'm sure they're they're nice guys. Like, I don't. This guy's Shane Salerno. He did a Salinger biography a few years ago that I did see, and it's actually not bad. But he is a guy who has worked with Oliver Stone. You know, he worked on, uh, what was that movie with, uh, God damn it, I can't think of it right now, with Ryan Reynolds' chick. Um, oh, uh, Savages. Yes. He wrote Savages. We then find some stoners who show up to the store out of nowhere. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what's going to happen to these guys. <laughs> James and Bob show up. Yeah. God, I was just going to say that. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> we then cut to a...